Hello, and welcome to another wonderful episode of Into His Word. Yes, I'm glad you're back again to listen to the message that we have for you this night, today, whatever time zone it is that you're listening to. Speaking of different time zones, I'd like to give a shout out to various places at this time because I'm so glad that you have taken the time and the moment in space in your life because we know all everyone is busy to listen to into his word podcast we're going to say of course thanks to uh, everyone in the united states that's listening france the united kingdom germany the philippines norway new zealand india bangladesh chile Canada and the United Arab Emirates, Emirates, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, to get a little more specific, I'd like to say thanks to you listeners in Virginia. Quite a few of you are listening there. Big amount of people are listening in France. Hats off to you in France. Oui, oui, monsieur. Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Lancaster, some people right here in this wonderful state of California listening. Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, Kentucky, Jefferson Town, Kentucky, Sutton, Coalfield, England, thank you for tuning in. Anaheim, California, thank you so much. Uh, Evansville, Indiana, Shafter, California, Bakersfield, Palmdale, California, Chi-Town, the Windy City, uh, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we need to keep Chicago in prayer. Uh, we need to keep everyone in prayer, but uh seems like a, a lot more is happening uh, than what we would like to see happening in Chicago. So we need to keep Chi-Town uh, in prayer. Uh, Broadman, Oregon, Colorado, Loveland, New York, New York, the Big Apple showed up. So let's remember the Big Apple in prayer. Uh, Manila and the metro area of Manila. Spring Valley, Nevada. Uh, Getting close over there, I guess, to uh, the Las Vegas area there or somewhere around Nevada. And how about that um, Alhambra, Arizona, Dublin, Minister, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Oslo, 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 if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, Karnataka, ben, Bengalura, St. Matthews, Kentucky, Hastings, Hawk Bay, Hawks Bay, Tungi, Oildale, California, Pinco, Bebo, uh, Berlin, Berlin, Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, some of these places I've never heard of, so it's very difficult for me to pronounce as I'm reading it. I am human and uh, trying to do the best that I can. We have some people in Dubai, or Dubai, I guess that is. Thank you for tuning in. Keep tuning in. You can always take away something from the word of God. Uh, We're going to get into the word here in a moment. 
Uh, it's been hot all over the place. We have storms, we have heat, we have problems, and we have other things going on. We need to keep this pandemic in prayer, keep in prayer for your loved ones and for anyone you know that are that's struggling with anything in life. Uh, say a prayer for them. Send us a prayer request. We'll be happy to pray for them. Get in contact with me. I have various ways that, that you can reach out to us. <sighs> in the podcast and the, through the message and uh we'll be happy to take your petition to the lord no doubt all right so let's pray i hope you've taken that time uh to grab your bible or before you tuned in i i trust you had your bible handy and now we're going to go to the lord in prayer and see what god has in store for the listeners here tonight or today or this afternoon whatever your time zone is but this message is for you dear lord and savior we come before you right now with our humble hearts and our open mind and our open hearts lord we know that these are terrible and difficult times that we're living in and we know that sooner or later lord you are or later or sooner that you will return to this earth looking for a church looking for the bride that's without spot and without blemish those that have their minds set on you those that have been born again of the water and of the spirit those that are seeking you in truth with a pure heart those that want to live according to your word god we pray for this world this society that we're living in for many of us lord this is not what we grew up in and this is a shocker to thousands, if not millions of people, the way the world has twisted and turned. But God, we ask you that you call out a people for your namesake. Call out a group of people, Lord, that are willing to live for you and to make heaven their forever resting place. Hallelujah, that they would seek you with all their heart and with all their mind. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and everyone that's listening says, amen. Well, praise the Lord. How many times has it been since those of you that are believers and those of you that are not believers, for the believers that you've talked to someone or several people and they've seemed to have an answer for whatever biblical reference that you have given them, some sort of answer contrary to what they may have believed or what they may have heard or just conflicting with the word of God. And for the non-believer out there that's tuned in, we're welcome. We're glad you're here. Tell a friend, share the link uh, to this, uh, to our uh, online message here. Share this link to friends, relatives, neighbors, this is imperative for all that this word gets out. And we're asking you, for those of you first-time listeners, getting back to that, that just have a humble heart, an open heart, and see what God wants to talk to you about. And for those that are already born again of the water and of the spirit. And for those that are seeking more out of the word of God, more 
for the water and of the spirit. Those that are seeking God. Hallelujah. They're not all the way in. Come with an open heart that God may touch you and that God may lead you. So if you have your book, we're going to start in the book of John. And we're going to read uh, chapter 3. The book of John, chapter 3, verse 1. And that's all we're going to read right now from the book of John. And we may revisit that again. But I have to give you a text so that we can get into this lesson, this Bible study. Uh, an old pastor of mine called it treaching. Because sometimes you're trying to teach, but the preacher shows up, then it becomes preaching or treaching. So just hang in there, because whatever way it goes, it's going to be the word of God. And I'm coming to you from the message corner today. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Lord, I pray that this word would minister to the hearts and to the minds of those that have an ear to hear and those that are open to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As you can see uh, from this word that we just read, there's a man of the Pharisees, uh, one of the most prominent, most influential religious societies in the biblical times. There was more societies in uh, religious societies during this day. But the Bible is really recognizes, really speaks to us more frequently than not about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But it lets us know here in John chapter three, verse one, that Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews and was a Pharisee. Uh, that name Nicodemus means he had victory, means victory over people. So that's pretty befitting for him. Nicodemus having victory over the people, being a ruler, being part of the, one of the most influential uh, religious sects or society, religious society at the time. And, and with that in mind, after Nicodemus had heard and had probably seen some miracles that Jesus Christ had done, but most definitely heard, he had a question. And this question that he had, he didn't seem right in his mind that he could go before Jesus and ask him his question one-on-one -on -one in front of his friends, in front of some of Jesus' followers. But being a ruler, perhaps that's the reason why he couldn't go before uh, uh, Jesus with others around that weren't at his stature in life and he didn't want them to know that he reverenced Jesus as a ruler or as a rabbi and as we read later we'll find out so let's go to John chapter 3 verse 2 the same came to, and we're going to read a little bit here the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him rabbi right there the respect teacher Master, the one who knows it all, you know more than me. But Rabbi, we know that that art of teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit of the spirit is spirit. Then Jesus said this, Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst, tell, cannot, canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things? Let's stop right here. We've read quite a bit. As we can see, uh, again, Nicodemus came to Jesus at a time where it may have been more convenient for Nicodemus to come when no one was around. How many times is it that you go maybe to, uh, to ask a question of someone when no one else is around, thinking you can get a particular response, a one-on-one, -on -one, and this guy's really going to tell me the truth. This guy's going to tell me really what I want to know. He's really going to give me an answer. It doesn't have to be a man. It could be a teacher. It could be a woman. It could be a pastor. It could be someone you look up to, someone at your job, uh, a boss at the job, at the work site. I think you understand what I mean because there is a time in your life when you're going to seek an answer from someone and you want to be alone one-on-one -on -one with that person it could be simply out of embarrassment because you may ask a person something as simple as how did you tie your shoe that way with a double knot and you don't want to be embarrassed being uh, 25 or 40 or 50 years old and never knew how to tie a double knot but you're going to ask this person alone alone and that's what happened with Nicodemus he needed an answer because he wanted more from God. He wanted more from Jesus than what he had to offer, uh, than what he had known about. That He said, Rabbi, teacher, tell me, what must I do? How can I do it? Hallelujah. We know that you're a teacher that come from God because nobody can do the miracles that that do, that you do. But Jesus just bypassed all of that. And he just got straight to the part because Jesus, in his heart, he knew what was more important. Today, we're talking to you about where do you fit? Where do you fit is the title of this message. Are you like Nicodemus? Are you a know-it-all but can still learn? Remember, Nicodemus had victory. His name means victory over the people. And in John chapter 10, verse 13, we see that Jesus even called him on it by saying, art thou, here's the question, art thou a master of Israel and knoweth not these things? Knoweth not what? 
There's a lot of times I talk to people, matter of fact, just today, yesterday, you know, frequently I'm always talking to somebody about the word of God and about salvation. When you take a look at people, when you talk to people, you can realize people are lost and they think that they're saved. And when then you run across the ones that you talk to and they have an answer, they say, don't worry about it. I'm good. I'm okay. God knows my heart. I know him. We got a relationship. We got a thing going on. Uh, uh, my cousin prays for me. Uh, my mother uh, uh, prays the rosary over me or whatever it is. And you can't talk to these people because in their own mind, they're a master of their own destiny. But Jesus said to this guy, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then in verse five, Jesus answered, and verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you see, there is a prerequisite that although people, the know-it-alls, may know it all, but they don't know it all, if you follow what I'm saying. Oh, you can't tell me anything. I'm okay. I'm all right. I know where I'm going, and I'm okay with getting there. Well, we have hot weather out here right now. Very, very hot. This is, uh, we're having flood alerts and I forgot what that's called when it's hotter heat waves or whatever you call it, where it's just hot for a couple of days. And I saw this one guy. I, I said, hey, man, I don't know his name. I said, hey. He says, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. I said, uh, I'm blessed. And he just looks at me. I said, it is hot in here. And he goes, yeah, it's hot. And he wipes the forehead, little beads of sweat. He wipes that off. And I looked at him. And it just clicked. I said, you know what? It's a lot better to deal with the heat here. And then I, I kind of just waved my hand as if to point across the world to deal with the heat here and now than it would be to deal with the heat later. And I pointed down towards the earth, uh, indicating towards hell. I said, then I'd rather deal with the bliss and the heavenly security now I look up above and I open up my arms and point them towards heaven. And he looks at me, sadly to say, and he says this. He says, well, I may have to deal with the heat in both places. I looked at him and said, it doesn't have to be that way. I said, Jesus is the answer. Although you may not think you have an answer. Although you may have had a relationship or heard about God. But Jesus is the answer and he still saves you just have to be born again of the water and of the spirit and live the life. And God will touch you. God will lead you and God will guide you and you'll be on your way to heaven. And he looked at me and he said, thanks. And he turned and walked away. And also before he walked away, I said, we all have choices that we can make. Now you can choose to go down there. And I motioned again, or you can choose to go up there. And I motioned again. And he just looked, he said, you're right, but thank you for sharing with me. A know-it-all 
but can still learn. The world is full of those people. The world is full of those that you share the gospel with and they already think they know. The know-it-alls. We have another man, a know-it-all. His name was Apollos. And he was a Jew, but he was mighty in scriptures. We can read about him in the book of Acts. Apollos was an eloquent speaker. He spoke very well. He was fervent in speech, meaning he was intense. He had feeling. He was zealous about the word of God. Sometimes, like some of you hear me get on the podcast, I get excited about the word of God. I get zealous about the word of God. I become fervent in speech. Turn your Bibles in Acts chapter 18 and verse 25 or 24 is and a certain Jew named Apollos born in Alexandria. Uh, Alexander the Great has something to do with the naming of the city, Alexandria. An eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. 18 and 25 says this. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Knowing only the baptism of John. Another man, a know-it-all. Hallelujah. How many times have we run across preachers or heard preachers? For those of you that are already in the word, we hear the preachers and they sound good, eloquent in speaking, speaking, eloquent speechers, speakers, excuse me, not like me right now, but they speak very well. They speak very convincingly. They are life coaches, but they're not telling you what you need to do to get saved and to be born again of the water and the spirit and to repent of your sins and to live a holy life, a sanctified life, and to get right with God. But they tell you, buy my books. Hallelujah. Get my DVD. Send a donation here. Matter of fact, I'll be holding a conference over there. Pay $10 to get into my conference at Dodger Stadium or whatever other stadium it's going to be. But if, it, if they were concerned about your soul, if they really wanted to know to try to get you to heaven, and if they could go to Dodger Stadium, if they could hold grandioso events, why should they have to ask you to pay to come hear their word? Hallelujah. Now it's different if they're preaching the word and you offer an offering, you give freely, like the Bible tells us, but to pay like an admission fee. I don't believe that's in the word of God. I don't believe that's very godly. And I don't believe that that's the will of God just to go there to hear a life coach. No. Hallelujah. I'm a preacher. And the preacher should preach the word of God. The preacher should tell you to repent of your sins and save yourself from this untoward generation. 18 and 26 says, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto him them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. 
You see, there comes a time not only when your speech is fervent, when your speech is exciting, and when you're zealous about excited and, and, and on fire for God with the fervency of your preaching and the fervency of your word, that you will speak boldly. And you don't care because your boldness will speak through and convict the hearts of God and get people for God and get people to live for God according to his word. Not being disrespectful. No, but trying to get your point across. Hallelujah. But Priscilla and Aquila, tent makers, they were there. They heard the word of God. They heard this man speaking. Hallelujah. A know-it-all. Thought he knew it all. Hallelujah. But, but, they said, come, come, we can still tell you more. You don't quite have it down yet. Because remember, the Bible tells us all he knew was the baptism of John. He didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife, tent maker teams, hallelujah, that worked at tent making was their business. Husband and wife working side by side. Helped Apollos so that he may know the word better. So when he held his next meeting, he would be able to convert many unto the truth of God. In verse 18 and 28, it says, For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures, that Jesus was the Christ. In other words, he was showing that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior by the scriptures, hallelujah, not by his own mind, by his own words, let me just make something up, but in the book, by the scriptures. And that's what we have to live by today are the scriptures, not some formula I made up or some other preacher made up, uh, hallelujah, some life story about someone that climbed in a tree and fell down and, or whatever it is, the scriptures, is what's going to save us. Apostle Paul has something to say this about Aquila and Priscilla. There was his helpers. He told them in the book of Romans to the church of Rome. He said in 16 and 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ. Now, when Paul tells you something like that, whose name used to be Saul, who had a conversion and who wrote over most of the books of the New Testament, uh, the letters to the church, the epistles, when the Apostle Paul says something, that's putting his stamp on approval on it. And the church in Rome was already established. So the Apostle Paul is saying here, hallelujah, praise God. This, these people, I'm putting my stamp of approval on them. Hallelujah, praise God. And then there's those that have everything. Yes, we run across the people that they're not only know-it-alls, but I don't need to do anything. I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I'm good. I'm well off. I can buy whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Hallelujah. Turn, if you would, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 18. There's a rich young ruler, and he came to the good master. Yes, the rabbi, he came to Jesus and he asked Jesus a very important question. 
But before that, let's get into book eight, uh, Luke 18. And he said, and they brought unto him also infants that he would touch. He would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked Jesus. They rebuked him and said, Jesus, don't do that. Don't do that. But Jesus called them unto him and said, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Now, no doubt there was a group, there was a crowd of people around witnessing and hearing this and taking note of the wisdom that Jesus had spoke about the kingdom of God. Uh, Hallelujah. And with the kingdom of God and healing and and Jesus' preaching, they must have thought or heard about eternal life. So we have this rich young ruler, a certain ruler, the Bible says. So he had wealth. And I guess just like in those days, like it is today, if you have money, (coughs) you can kind of uh, write your own check, so to speak. But he came to Jesus. In Luke 18, 18, it says, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That should be a question that all of us should be asking. That should be a question for the non-believer, for the half-hearted believer. And even for those that are believers, born again of the water and of the spirit, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? For the believer, born again of the water and of the spirit, what shall I do to make life? And for everyone else, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? An inheritance is something that is left behind. Hallelujah. It's the inheritor. Hallelujah, that leaves inheritance, and you get get the inheritance. Hallelujah. You follow me? Praise God. Jesus Christ died. You get the inheritance, eternal life, only through the baptism in the wonderful name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and your born-again experience by the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Jesus said unto him in verse 19, Luke chapter 18 and verse 19, he said, why callest thou me good? There's none good, but there's none good save one, and that is God. So obviously, if this man is calling Jesus good master, and then Jesus said the only one good is God, hallelujah, then Jesus is giving him an understanding, giving him a revelation that he's not good. But if you're going to call me good, then you recognize who I am. I'm God. Hallelujah. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. 18 and 21. And he said all these things. This is what the rich ruler said. Basically, all these things have I kept from my youth up. Now, there's many times that I spoke to people. and Yeah, I know the Bible. Yeah, I've done that. I've been born again. Yeah, but I'm backslid now. I know all that. I know what you believe. I know what you're going to preach. Uh, I know this. I, I know it all. I already know. Hallelujah. But Jesus, this rich young ruler, he had it all. And he knew it all. And he's already said, look, I've done all that. From my youth up, I've kept everything. 
Hallelujah. I've been to church. I pay my tithes and offering. I praise God. I worship God. I've gone to conventions. I've kept all that stuff from my youth up. Hallelujah. I kept my standards. I followed the preaching. I followed the reading of the word of God. I kept all that stuff from my youth up. I know the way. But apparently he didn't know the way because he had an answer. He had a question. Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Perhaps there was just still some doubt in his mind. So he had to get that clarified. How, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus laid it out. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor thy mother and thy father. Basically part of the Ten Commandments, if not all. Now, 18 and 22, that was the uh, 21 was the rich ruler's reply. Yeah, I kept all this stuff from my youth up. Okay. Jesus said, I'm down with that. Good. You're doing a good job. I'm, I'm sure that's what the Lord felt briefly. Because remember, Jesus knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. And since he is the word made flesh, the Bible tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sender of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And as a, here's the key word, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So God's word, God's word, since God is word, is the word. We can read that in John chapter one. Since God is the word made flesh, that word, which is him, is discerning the man's spirit, the thoughts and intents of his heart. I believe that since this guy had so much money, a rich young ruler, probably a little feeling a little good, a little proud that I'm young. I'm a ruler. I got a lot of money. Surely I can get into heaven. Surely I can get into the best places, just pay my way in. Not a problem. But Jesus said this. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, here it is. Yet lackest thou one thing. You lack one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Hallelujah. And come follow me. Wait a minute. Hold on. You mean get rid of my new car with those fancy 20-inch rims? Get rid of my new whatever it is that means more to you that's holding you back from the kingdom of God? And then follow you? Jesus, I'm coming to you asking what I got to do to get there. I got everything I need. I bought it. I, I worked for it. I earned it. I got everything that I need. But you're telling me that these things I, I have to put aside because these things are mean more to me that, that's keeping me from getting into the kingdom of God and then follow you. And when I look at you, you don't seem to be doing much. The people seem too humble. They don't seem to be quite the way I like to be. But this is what it's going to take. But as many as this man's example was, you keep reading and says, he, this was a hard thing to do. This is a hard thing. And you mean I have to give up something to live for God? Yeah, it's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. 
It's going to cost you something to get your life right with God. Now, am I saying all these nice things are wrong? No, I'm not saying all these. But when you put them before God, when, you, when they become your idol, when they become more important, the Bible says that that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. When it becomes highly esteemed among men, then that's an abominable thing to God. And Achan partook of the abominable thing. And when Achan partook of the abominable thing, it cost his life and the life of his family and all the animals that they possessed. And it cost the life of the certain tribe of Israel, all because Achan partook of the accursed thing. So we have to be careful about the things that we partake of and put them higher above God. We have to maintain our humbleness at all points. Another rich person, he says in Luke chapter 12, and one of the company said unto him, here we go again, master. In other words, he's giving him the reverence once again. Speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto him, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things he possesseth. Didn't I just say that? I, Jesus, could. he says it better than I did. This is not what your life consists of, the things that we possess. That is not the whole meaning of God or life according to God. It's not about what you possess. It's about how you live your life. It's about what you do for God. It's about who you're trying to talk to about God. I'm trying to reach the masses. I'm trying to reach people that are hungry for God. I'm trying to offer a solution to the lost, to the weary, to the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But now Jesus, just let me break it down. Jesus had to speak a parable. Now, the parables are something that the people are very familiar with because they were into agriculture, being farmers. So Jesus broke it down into used farming, what they're familiar with, as a parable so that they, meaning the rich young ruler, uh, the rich ruler in this case, could understand what he was trying to say. And here's the parable in Luke 12 and 16. It says, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will put down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Let's stop right there. <laughs> so, we're good. Heard that before, Mr. Know-it-all. Rich, three types of people. Where do you fit into this message today? Where are you? 
Are you the one of the, the know-it-alls? Are you the one that's smart but still need a little guidance? Are you the one that's preaching the word or, or speaking the word to other people but don't have it quite right? Where do you fit in this message? There's got to be a place for you in this message today as you're listening to it. Are you like this guy, uh, the rich, the young rich man? Got it all, doing well, fancy, girls, everything. But you still have something lacking in your life. And you come before the throne room of grace in your mind, in your thought, wherever. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Because there's still an emptiness. You've heard me say this before. There's still a void. You're still hungry. You're still missing something in life. And all it could be is looking For the eternal life. Now, not the eternal life below that was not prepared for God's people, but for the devil and his angels. But you're looking for that eternal life that's above. Hallelujah. The heavenly place, our heavenly abode, where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what we're looking for. When you said, I got to do something better. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be more to life than this. Than the rich person here. This rich man, I've done it all. I, I, I've got so much stuff for myself. I, I got so much food saved up. I got stuff stored up. I got I to gotta tear down these small storehouses. I got to tear down these small barns. And I got to build bigger barns. So I can lay up more goods for the famine. For when nobody else has anything. Hallelujah. So I could just store it up for myself. And take my ease. And relax. And party all the time. It says eat. Drink. And be merry. But God said. Unto him. Thou fool. Thou fool. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up a treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So we go through all that work. We go through all the trouble, all the pain, all the sorrow, storing it up, getting it together. But tonight... And you're proud of what you've done. You're proud of your work. You're proud of everything. But tonight, your soul is going to be required of thee. What shall I do to inherit or to go to heaven, to inherit eternal life, to get to see the kingdom of God? Then there's this, that was the know-it-alls. That was the rich. That was the wise. Hallelujah. Now we have the seekers. Those that are seeking open-minded feels and knows that there has to be a better way for them. That life has given them a bad shake or they've made bad decisions financially or spiritually or uh, in relationships or career-wise, or whatever the case is in the seeker's heart, 
in the seeker's life, in their mind, they've made bad decisions. And today they're seeking something better. Today you can be a seeker out there. And I know that you are seeking something better than what you have as a seeker. There's something missing. There's a void. Yes, I keep mentioning the void because somebody's always seeking, searching, trying to fulfill that. There's an emptiness. There's boredom. There's sorrow. There's heartache. There's trials. There's tribulations. And something's got to be better than this. But the only better thing that's going to come through is through Jesus Christ and through his word, through your faith in him. You've got to get your faith in Jesus Christ and get your face in the book and start reading the word of God. And the word will blossom like a rose, like a plant. Like when it germinates, you put the seed in the soil. That word of God is in the soil of your heart, is in the soil of your mind. Your eyes are uh, taking in the word. The word becomes water into your eyes. And then inside of your soul, inside of your mind, inside of your brain, it starts to make sense. And it's germinating. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing until it comes up and into your mind. And it makes sense to you. And you have a full-blown relationship with Jesus Christ. We can read in the book of Acts about a, a eunuch. This Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts in chapter 8, he was a treasurer, somebody of high esteem, important, trusted person, hallelujah, to Candace, the queen. And this Ethiopian eunuch, uh, you can go and look and see what eunuch is, uh, a eunuch. He was in the chariot or in the wagon or in the, the transportation mode at that time, whatever it may have been. But he was sitting there reading the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. And as he was reading it, the spirit moved upon Philip. Philip was somewhere else. But God said, there's somebody somewhere else, Philip. Go. Go there and catch this man sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah and minister to him. Hallelujah. This is a seeker. Are you a seeker today? Are you reading and don't quite understand what you read? And as Philip ran up to this guy that did not understand what he was reading, but desired more in life as he read. He knew that there had to be something more to his life as a eunuch, as a treasure, as a servant to Candace, the queen. And he wanted more out of his life. He didn't see any, any, any upward mobility. He just saw a, uh, like if you would, no promotions, I guess you can put it that way, but he knew there was more to life. But thank God he had the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. I'm not going to go there because I want you to open up that book, Isaiah, chapter 53, and read it for yourself and let the Lord, our God, speak to you. So Acts chapter 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth from Jerusalem, to Gaza, which is desert. See, when you're in the desert, you don't think that there's any hope. 
When you're in the desert of life, when you're in the desert of trying just to survive, you have to grab for something. For us, we're in the desert. We're roaming through the desert. It's a hot day. We're going to grab something cool and thirsty to drink. Cool to solve our thirst. Cool to quench our thirst. To make our body feel good. This Ethiopian probably had some water already, but he was thirsty for something more. He was thirsty for a relationship with God. And that's why he was reading the book of Isaiah, uh, Acts 28 and 27. And he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge over all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Hold it. Hold it. There's a purpose for going to Jerusalem. There's a purpose Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians and the Ethiopian eunuch was going to Jerusalem for a purpose to worship. Now, Candace may have already had some sort of relationship. She may have already known about God, about Jesus Christ, but they, but this Ethiopian didn't. Was returning, and Acts 28, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. So Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest. Hallelujah. And that's what I say to many of you today. The know-it-alls. Do you really understand what you're reading? Those that are seeking, those that are hungry, the rich, those that are well-to-do and don't need God, do you really understand what you're reading? But the Ethiopian answered in verse 31 and said, how can I accept a man should guide me? And he desired, he had a thirst, he had a hunger. He wanted Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And Philip got up in that chariot and he read and he sat with the guy and he explained, he expounded on him. And Philip answered and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh this, uh, the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, unto him Jesus. And as they were on their way, they came unto a certain water. Now this Jesus I mean, this Jesus, this eunuch have a revelation. He had a revelation of Jesus Christ because Philip preached unto him Jesus Christ, how Jesus Christ died for our sins, how Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, how Jesus Christ bore our sins when he died upon Calvary and his blood ran down the hill of Golgotha, how Jesus Christ is the Messiah the Savior of the world, the Anointed One. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. 8 and 36, And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, not Philip, but the eunuch said, Here is water. What doeth hinder me to be baptized? Hallelujah. Praise God. This eunuch had a revelation and he realized it's time. I got to get right with God. I'm on the way to go worship him. And no better on the road to Gaza, coming from Jerusalem, going from the road to Jerusalem from Gaza. I'm on the road. I got the word being preached to me by the preacher. 
I'm getting the understanding of the word, and I'm on the way to church. What hindereth me to get baptized? There's some water over there. Let's go, Philip. And they both went, and Philip baptized this man in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. Hallelujah. And that guy was happy, and they went on to church and worshiped God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Let's give it up one time. That is a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. That he got that revelation. He got the revelation. And we need to have those listening at the sound of my voice. You have to come to a realization of the revelation of Jesus Christ and his purpose upon the face of this earth and the plan that he laid out for mankind to be saved. It's not sprinkling of the water. It's not saying, I believe, and that's that. No, he wants you to be fully submerged in water, born again of the water. That's why it was so important for Jesus Christ to be baptized of John, his cousin. He told John, I must needs that you baptize me. You got to do this, John. John's like, hey, I need to be baptized of you. But Jesus said, no, John, you got to do this. You've got to do it. Is that important to Jesus Christ? Now, when Jesus Christ was baptized of his cousin, John the Baptist, he wasn't baptized in sprinkling or a squirt bottle of water. He was fully immersed in water, giving us a prime example on how you should be baptized. You can see the instructions. You can see the the Bible lesson there on the website. But he tells them, this is the way that it has to be done. This is my example. A good leader will lead by example. He's not going to ask somebody to do something that he's not willing to do first. I know at my job I do things. Hallelujah. But I go first first and I do it so that the people can see that I'm no better than them. But then when I ask them to do it, they don't mind doing it because I did it first. So there's the example. Here's another example. Your kids may not know how to tie their shoe. They may not know how to brush their teeth, hold the silverware. There's things in life that the kid doesn't know how to do, so you may show them by example. And as you show them by example, then they know that that's what they have to do. I hope that's plain and clear enough. Praise God. And we talked about Ruth once before. Ruth, a Moabite, she shouldn't even have any any doings, hallelujah, with with a with a relationship with Jehovah but as a Moabite she saw the blessings that Naomi and her family and the whole tribe had and she was a seeker Ruth got to a point into her life to where nothing else mattered but she wanted more out of life she was seeking more Ruth chapter 1 verse 16 and Ruth said entreat me and entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For wherever thou goest, I will go. And for wherever thou lodgest, I will lodge. For thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Hallelujah. She was willing to give up her own, her own way of life, her own group of people, because she knew that there was something, the blessings was on Naomi and their tribe that they came from, and Ruth wanted to be a partaker of their blessings 
That's a seeker. That's somebody. It doesn't matter what's going on in everybody else's life. It doesn't matter. I got to make a change in my life. I got to do what's right for me and my family. I got to seek God because I want to change. I want to get away from the crime. I want to get away from the corruption. I want to get away from the um, illicit lifestyle, uh, uh, the lies, the cheat, the deception, whatever it is. I got to change. I want your God to be my God, and I want your people to be my people. That's what Ruth said. And she was a seeker. What are you seeking today? Are you like the rich ruler? Are you seeking the riches of the world only for God to tell you that that ain't going to cut it? You got to get rid of it all and then come and follow me. You got to make that least important in your life and follow me. Hallelujah. Or are you going to be like the know-it-all? Oh, you can't tell me anything. I already know it all. But I'm going to come and ask you anyway, God. I, I, I'm too proud to ask you around all my friends who think I know it all. But I'm going to sneak off and, and ask you in private. What do I have to do to, to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to be saved? What must I do? Just humble yourself before the almighty God in the word, through the preaching, whatever it is, and say, God, what must I do to be saved? We all get there somewhere in our life. There's a point in our life where we have to get there. Hallelujah. And just say, you know what? My life is in shambles. I've tried it all on my own. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've even tried that. I even tried this. And then after trying this and that and that and this, I went and tried something different. And still got the same results. The void was still there in my life. Friends, share this message with your friends, with your relatives. Because this is good meat. This is that charbroiled steak with barbecue sauce on the grill. So right now we ask you that you pray that you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to touch your heart, lead you to a church, contact us, lead you to a church, to a good Bible study. They will tell you that you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Not that they'll just shake your hand and say, oh, you'll be okay. That's all right. Just be a good person. That's not it. The rich ruler, he was a good person. The young guy was a good person. The ruler had a good store for her whole life and, and thereafter. So much he had to build another barn or two to hold everything he had so much. He was a good person. The rich young ruler was a good person. Even Apollos in the book of Acts was a good person, eloquent speaker. But he only talked about the baptism of John. He didn't get any deeper than that. Just go ahead. Just, just go ahead and repent and be baptized. That's good enough. Ah, I just thought of something. I've been places and I've seen people and I can't say whether or not they were baptized. But I know they were churchgoers. I know they were position holders in the church. Oh, come on now. And, and you know what I'm, where I'm going. 
when and we were invited to events or as particular event and everybody was all churchy now but once that sun started to go down the light went away see the light was keeping everybody straight funny about light light will keep you straight and if you notice in life once the darkness starts to set in that's when the element the criminal element starts to show up now i know when i was in the world about i noticed i took note five o'clock six o'clock at night that's when the criminal element starts to show up the sun goes down people come out the house people start moving things start happening well at this particular event the suns went down it got dark the deacons broke out the wrong spirit in the bottle while they were playing cards and dominoes and they hitting the bottle now that's not the way god intended for it to be let your yay be yay and your nay be nay so come on in to the kingdom there's plenty of good room, plenty good room. There's plenty of room for you. There's plenty of room for those who want to be saved. There's plenty of room for the seeker. God has his hands stretched out, looking, waiting, and wanting you to come to him. Come on to me, all ye that are heavy laden and you're tired and you're weary. He says, I'll give you rest. We're tired of what this world is throwing us. You're tired of trying to figure it out on your own. He said, I will give you rest. Lay your yoke upon me, is what he said. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Hallelujah. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus right now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you right now. Right now. Hallelujah. Because when you come to Jesus... You're coming to the cross. And things happen at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Let's say that again. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. Amen. So join me in prayer as we close. Humble your hearts and your minds as we pray. Dear Lord and Savior, we're so thankful today for this message, for the seekers, for the know-it-alls, for those that are wise and rich. 
Hallelujah. Wherever this may fit, God, let them know that there's still special requirements that you have for these type of people, God. And they're all out there, but none truly is better than the other. For we all need you, God, and we all need to come to a place of repentance, a place of a change of heart, a place where you're everything in our heart. Lord, we love you. And we need you and I pray right now. I'm praying, God, for the spirit of God to be released on the hearers of this word, that the spirit of God would go and lead them to a church that would preach them the way up to them, the ways of righteousness, God, to a Bible study that will open up their hearts and their minds to be receptive to the word of God. Let it start here with this word, with this seed. As we gave the example of being germinated in their hearts. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you. We look forward to the next message. Look forward to you listening again. Again. So happy to have all my listeners. Hallelujah. Come back. Keep listening. Keep enjoying. Keep sharing. And keep praising him. Just keep praising him. You got to keep praising him. Just keep praising him. You got to keep praising him. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Stay into his word.